1: Shake them ropes. Second show of the week, covering your NXTs, your NXT UKs. Anything we missed on the main roster? Gonna get in some news here first. Oh well, actually, first I should introduce my co-host because that would be proper and courteous, wouldn't it? Chris Novembrino here with me as always. Chris, say hello to the folks.
0: Man, it's imperative commands after ignoring me. That's very, very courteous, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Hi everyone! It's nice to be here. It's good to be back on okay, the show. Chris,
1: Chris, you run the narrative of the show. Then I'm just, I'll, I'll just, I'll just chime in wherever. Oh,
0: oh, okay. Well, fine then. Jeff, let's begin with the cleanup section. Jeff, do you have anything for the cleanup <laughs> section?
1: Uh, I have a few things. Um, okay, hit
0: me with what you got. I am all ears.
1: As soon as we went off the air on Tuesday, uh, after recording our show. Word came down that Ty Dillinger has asked for his release from the WWE. A little bit of an interesting move, given the current climate with AEW and him being friends and actually former tag champs with, uh, with Cody Rhodes. But um, Ty Dillinger's story is always a bit interesting to me because he was not in the second incursion... After a few years, it seemed like he was going to be in the position that Cassius Ono is in now, that of kind of a player coach. Um, he had been kind of uh, helping to agent some of the takeover matches from time to time and then he gets this uh, perfect perfect 10 10 gimmick
0: and it takes off a little bit i i remember being at a wrestlemania access event back in 2016 and he was still working the perfect 10 gimmick as a heel but he was having a match against baron corbin who was kind of supposed to be a face at that point and uh the 10 gimmick was very over People were chanting during the pinfalls 1 to 10. And this really started to get a natural, organic life to it. And you thought... Well, gee golly, maybe this Ty Dillinger thing actually has some legs and could go somewhere in NXT. I mean, he could very easily have been a transitional champion if NXT was actually a developmental territory. He was actually an ideal guy for that sort of role, but NXT's vision changed somewhere along the way, and Ty Dillinger's been someone who's been kind of lost in the shuffle, but then he got called up to the main roster, and he floundered a little bit. But then it looked like in recent months here, they were gonna do something with ty dillinger but they once again aborted it and with ty dillinger we just see a very unfortunate series of starts and stops with an act that i think had the ability to have legs if they had let it
1: for me i i remember and i've, I've read some interviews with him and i don't know him i don't know people who do know him but he seemed like the kind of guy who would have been very happy on this second run because this was his second run with uh the WWE, he had been signed before. I mean, he he had been back in like the early aughts in like the Florida territory when it was still FCW. And he'd be the kind of guy who'd be very happy to have stayed in NXT so long as he, you know, get some high profile matches occasionally, be able to build a character and just be able to be a professional wrestler. And then this perfect 10 thing hit. And I kind of knew, you know, when they did the joke for the Royal Rumble when they gave him, you know, the 10 spot, he was going to be one of those guys like No Way Jose. It, it was going to be, you know, and once the 10 thing died down or they decided to cool it down, which was another issue, he, his gimmick was crowd interaction chanting 10. The problem was it was taking away from things like count outs and other things. So they had to cool him down so people would stop chanting the 10 thing. And, you know, he's the type of guy that, you know, I could see him go being a little hesitant about taking that main roster thing, but going, you know what, I'm going to make the most of it. If I can build something into it, great, you know, but he's the kind of guy that doesn't want to be backstage not being used. And it's also a little bit difficult because his girlfriend is on the roster. He He's dating Peyton Royce. And so you know, what happens with her, if there's any bad feelings about this, but, um, I could see him in AEW, I could see him, you know, by, I could see them not wanting him at the same time, if, if he gets his release even, because there's no guarantee they're going to give him his release, he's just said he's asked for it, and he thanked everybody, um, you want to indulge in any reckless speculation?
0: On what front? What would you like me to speculate on?
1: Oh, I just, i mean, will he be released? Which is always an unknown commodity. I agree with you. I liked that—that that kind of that second rebuilding of him. That looked like they're going to do something interesting with him, where he had a bit more of an edge, and then he kind of became the victim of Randy Orton and the fingers.
0: Right. Um, right. Type yeah. Of thing. They, there was a there was a thing they were starting to do with him on that second run. Um. It seems entirely plausible to me that he gets cut sometime right after WrestleMania, and they just hold on so that he can't do anything up until WrestleMania. I actually think that's probably where this goes. He's on the wrong side of thirty, and the company doesn't forty.
1: Yeah, I know,
0: I know. They, the company doesn't have any long-term vision for him, and if he doesn't want to do backstage stuff, then I think the writing's on the wall. It's up to him if he wants to keep wrestling, but I, I think at this point. He's not going to be doing much on Raw and SmackDown. He might be relegated entirely to, like, main event and things of that sort.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, being the age that he is, he, there is no wrong decision here. Because he could stay in shape for the next couple of years, you know, come by, you know, get the travel, occasionally, you know, work a preliminary match putting a guy over, sitting in catering, talk wrestling with his friends all day. Or he could, you know, try one last hustle now that the indies are so hot again, you know, and now that there's another competing company out there and maybe try and and use that as some sort of thing for him. There, There's no wrong situation here for a guy like Ty Dillinger because he can
0: rebrand as the perfect one if he wants. Yeah,
1: well, he knows his ceiling in WWE, I think. He doesn't yeah. know a ceiling outside of it. So, I mean, it's, it's another not... Another
0: option would be to go back down to NXT and see if he no, can't fit back into asked, that machine.
1: He asked to go back to NXT. Oh, interesting. And they said no. Huh. So, that's another interesting thing in that they don't want retreads down there necessarily. Like, whereas they'd have those... You know, you'd have that Titus O'Neil run where they were trying to rehab his character a bit and they, they put him over... He put him over Sami Zayn at one point down there.
0: The rehabs down in NXT have never really worked out. I I mean, I I think what needs to probably happen, and this has been an issue with NXT for a minute here, is that it needs to probably stretch out to at least 90 minutes. They need a little more length here to fit everyone on the roster in.
1: I would not be shocked if they offered him an NXT coach position.
0: I wouldn't be shocked by that either. Or he could be a booking agent, something like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, something like that. Uh, News broke... Uh, Yesterday, that Roman, or actually, it might have been today, that Roman Reigns will be on Raw uh, this coming Monday. And he will also be making an appearance on Tuesday on Good Morning America to give an update on his fight against leukemia. I can only assume if he's booked other media appearances that this will be good
0: news. (laughs) It's got to be positive. Yeah, he can't possibly be going on Good Morning America to tell everyone at 7 a.m. he's dying of cancer. (laughs)
1: Good Morning America could use some good news. Uh, <laughs> of late but um yeah I, I think it's it's that and i think i think we're getting i i can't remember if i said it here or if i said it elsewhere about the elimination chamber when they did the uh the shield power bomb through the two tables that you know what you could bring in roman to do a walk and brawl type thing and he'd be okay i think we're getting the shield versus lashley uh corbin and and McIntyre, probably yeah. probably at Fastlane.
0: Is Dean actually leaving the company or what? Uh is this a what thing?
1: I to me, it's it's he's gonna let his contract run out. Okay, he he chose not to re-sign. So who knows if he's coming back or not? But I I think uh, you know what I think his treatment of late kind of gives you the. Uh, the impression that he is going to be leaving. Okay.
0: He's just going to get one last big payday here at WrestleMania.
1: I don't know. I think they write him out before WrestleMania so that there's none of that.
0: Oh, uh, so we're just doing this at the next pay-per-view here. We're doing one last shield thing at either this pay-per-view Fastlane? or the
1: next. Yeah. Yeah. At Fastlane.
0: Okay. I, I
1: think because remember we have to have Seth and Brock at WrestleMania.
0: That's so right. I, That's I, right. I,
1: I don't think there's any room for him anywhere other than the proposed Nia Jack storyline that uh, they've now given up.
0: I mean, the other thing is that Roman could be here to be the fence mender between Dean and Seth.
1: Oh, yeah. I think they're giving him a redemption story on, on the show yeah. thing. Netflix, it looks like, I believe, is going to be doing a Hulk Hogan biopic produced by Eric Bischoff. So... I read this and I went, they're going to try and turn this guy into Horatio Alger, a rags to riches story about a kid who nobody believed in, who became the biggest star in professional wrestling, even though from day one, he was pinpointed as a star in Minneapolis. And they're of course not going to go over any of the, uh, let's say warts in his professional resume. Uh, (laughs) And it looks like Chris Hemsworth will be playing the title of Hulk Hogan, or the titular character of Hulk Hogan in the biopic. Chris,
0: a Hulk Hogan biopic in 2019. Okay, if someone's willing to put down the money, I can't fault people for wanting to try to get work. But man, who is the money mark for this one?
1: Oh, we're canceling the Punisher and Daredevil to make a Hulk Hogan biopic
0: cause the kids they love Hulk Hogan, Jeff. they want to hear about that man.
1: you know what that's a that's an angle I haven't heard talked about who who is the audience for a Hulk Hogan biopic other than diehard wrestling fans who have been following his career and know that he's done some very untoward things in the past few years. I, I, yeah, I, uh, (laughs) that's actually, man, Chris, you just blew my mind there because nobody had, has brought up the generational gap story in terms of, in terms of the Hulk Hogan. How old is he now? He's like almost
0: 70. They're not going to bring him back. (laughs) Why? For what? No, and no one wants to see him in WWE. Hulk Hogan is an anachronism in 2019 going into 2020.
1: Oh, yeah, but he doesn't think that.
0: I get that, but a lot of men in their 70s don't get that they may be crested five to ten years prior.
1: You mean like Vince McMahon? Yeah, I could name off a number.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to let that comment just marinate among the ether.
1: <laughs> so to pivot into NXT, the big announcement that we we're all hyped about, the return of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I have no problem with that. But I love this the Dusty Rhodes. But they every year, right? Ah, uh, they skipped last year.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it's good that it's back. I, I like the Tag Team Classic. I, this should be a regular feature of the NXT calendar.
1: I agree, I, but I, I just wish they'd make it uh, – <laughs> I, I wish they'd pick a, a month to do it as that's opposed to just true. kind of bring it back. That, that's my only issue. Um, I've read some spoilers. We will not go into those now, but trust me, there will be talk of spoilers uh, later. Um, and then the announcement on 205 Live is there will be a tournament for the number one contender to face the Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania – and the participants who have been named are, uh, let's see, Drew Gulak. Uh, oh, uh, what are the two matches they announced? They, they announced The Callisto, Brian Kendrick. Cal- yeah, uh, Gulak and Kendrick and then Callisto and, um, oh, crap. Tony Nese. Tony Nese. He's going up against Tony Nese. Tony Nese. Tony Nese has to win that, right?
0: Yeah, he's definitely going to be Kalisto, but I I'm starting to think that this storyline is to fire up Tony nice
1: Oh, I no, I think Cedric's going to be the guy.
0: Okay, interesting. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But you want get into 205 Live here? Sure. You. Had, uh, I, I'm not giving up my say? hosting. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going to bring us into it here. So this show started off with the, that announcement of the tournament and everything, and then we get into this first match between TJP. And Humberto Carrillo, uh, one, I, I want TJP to shave. TJP needs to shave. He looked uh, scruffy, not great here, did not like this look. It was very weird to see him come out as a babyface. The no-reason TJP babyface turn was a bit jarring. And I thought that that was going to forecast something in this match against Humberto Carrillo, but it didn't really, and they just had a match that was so-so, but there was one spot, Jeff, that really got under my skin, and it was when TJP was standing on the apron and Humberto Carrillo went off the top rope for his big, high, awesome drop kick. And he connects, and then TJP rolls from the apron to the inside in a complete defiance of physics. And normally, I'm going <laughs> to go with a lot of wrestling physics, but when someone kicks you in one direction, you can't roll in the direction from which the kick came.
1: Chris, I am a more vapid and stupid man. Uh, I could not get over TJP's tattoos. There's a lot of them now.
0: Uh, is that a is, new thing? I, I just said that, that, well, that totally went right by me. Holy! Well, shit. the funny
1: thing is, if you see the if you see the promo video where they're talking about uh, the first cruiserweight champion or whatever, no tattoos whatsoever, none. And now he's obviously has some spare time and money to get all these. Tattoos, some of which are good, some of which are not so good, in my opinion. I, I just, I agree with you on the. It was weird. He came out with the facial hair and the tattoos, and then he started hand slapping people. I was like, "Wait, w- when did he turn baby?" It was face? like full Ray that?
0: Mysterio cruiserweight baby face, though. It was yeah, two hands out to touch everyone like your Sting. Very we, very did we, strange.
1: Did we miss the face turn on Two O Five Live? Like, did he and I? go into a, a fight.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, the last thing that happened was that he was working with Canellas and then he was just like, you know what, screw you guys. But I didn't necessarily read that as, screw you guys, I'm now a babyface. I just read that as, like, two heels splitting up because they're both bad people.
1: Okay, yeah. I, I, just, I just thought I had missed something because I saw him slapping hands. I went, wait, what? I mean, because he had always kind of been the cocky heel character on here who, you know, always felt aggrieved because he was the first champ and he had never been as hot as he was then. So it was kind of weird to do that. But, um, yeah. But uh, this was... You know, the Umberto Carrillo match, I mean, the story, that that could be what the tournament's for as well, is to continue to um build him up as the number one contender. Because... You know, they're putting the rocket to him.
0: They are definitely putting the rocket to him. There's going to be a lot of stuff moving through him, but he still has to f- figure out what's going on with this Gulak and Gallagher thing. And and so I imagine that that's going to have to play out first. So I, I don't think he gets to number one cont- contender status right this second. Up next, I think we went to the well one time too often with Arya Davari versus Johnny Lyons. Now, in the past, you and I have gushed over the efficacy of these enhancement matches with Arya Davari, but this was just kind of bland. Um, you you had the right-looking guy working as the jobber here, Johnny Lyons. Uh, uh very classic-looking jobber, right? Like a uh, just a different-looking person, and and yeah, he looks made, like made a knockoff of another. R-
1: yeah, the, the best jobbers are the guys that look like knockoffs of existing wrestlers.
0: Yes, yes. He, he made for perfect, perfect cannon fodder. Uh, yes, we're trying to establish the new Arya Divari, except that the new Arya Divari is like the old Arya Divari but less interesting. So now, in addition to the Rainmaker clothesline, he also does a variation of the Million Dollar Dream that he uh, kind of pulls into a rear naked choke. Okay.
1: You, you know what it is for, for me? What, what, what took me out of it was he did the, uh, the cheap heat sport local sports team for heel heat promo, and oh then, yeah, you know, and then the, and then also really trying to hammer the Davari De Niro nickname. Like I loved his promos when he was with Hideo, and I loved his squashes, you know, when it, when they were starting to build that, when he was being really vicious and stuff. This one felt like he was almost like playing the Miz in some way.
0: Yeah, and it's just dissonant from that weird promo in the warehouse last week with the denim yeah. vest and everything where he's prison aria and now he's Davari De Niro, which is like a callback. Actually, that's a callback all the way to the Enzo days, my dude. Is it? Remember? Yeah. That was part of the Enzo Amore gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Like we we are we are definitely moving in a retrograde direction.
1: You, you know what kills me is two hundred five live has continuity because remember we're, we're we're referencing the king of the cruiserweights, we're referencing Enzo Amore. <laughs> it's a complete universe that actually you know rewards intelligence because I forgot about that uh, reference. Yeah,
0: no, no, that, that's hung around here, and then we got to our main event between Cedric Alexander and Mike Kanellis. And this is actually a pretty good match to my eyes. The thing that I think was kind of weak is the weird non-finish part of the match where it looks like he's got the shoulder down and then there's a near count and then Mike Kanellis is celebrating with Maria. And I I, I don't, that spot just fell flat for me. I, I didn't think that worked. It was too cute by half.
1: If anyone can get this message to Mike, who, as I always say famously, blocked me on Twitter, I loved Maria Canellis' promo before this match. I absolutely adored it. I looked at that, I went, that is straight out of 1988 right there. She wasn't she wasn't being jokey. She basically was being real. This is why we're here. Every promotion we've been in, every territory we've been in, we've been successful. We're going to be successful here. I I adored it. This was the side of Maria Canellas that I hadn't seen. And, and if I had seen it, I hadn't remembered it because all I can think of is either, you know, booty dancing in New Japan or the ditzy girl from from the first run. But I absolutely adored this. I thought I got Mike over quite well as as well. I liked the match um I'm with you I, I I think if the referee hits the three on on the on the mat, it's a three count that that's the way I've always been raised so when he hit the three and then said No, 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 the shoulder was up, and then Mike wasn't paying any attention to it that's where I kind of okay. Stupid. It crossed stupid the heel. line
0: where the referee is standing right behind Mike and Maria who are like in tears over winning a qualifying match in a tournament or like a is it even a qualifying match? Is this a first round match? Like No, it wasn't a match. match. It wasn't a match. It was it, ju- it was just it an exhibition. No stakes. It's just an exhibition. To be in tears over winning an exhibition while the referee is like, Hey, the match isn't over. The yeah. match isn't over. The match isn't over. The match is—it's like, have you ever worked here before? It's a bridge too
1: far. Yeah, it's one of those things where, where it's a good idea if you can execute the right way, but they can't execute the right way here. In this one, it would have to be the referee had would have had to have pondered the situation for a moment where he's like, wait, did I? I mean, should, yeah, he should,
0: goes over and he talks to the ring announcer or something yeah. and they maybe even pull out a tablet and review. The Am I allowed to second? say I
1: made a mistake or does it count or whatever? He should be celebrating. You can't do the thing where it's like he's immediately celebrating and he's so lost and enthralled in the celebration. He forgets that, you know, that there are other people there. It just he it can was, no
0: longer be communicated to by normal human beings. It, yeah,
1: it went to 10 way too quick on his yeah. part. That that's that was, yeah, no, I, I agreed with you there. I thought it was a clever idea at first because I watched, I went one, two, three, okay, he hit the mat, and then went, well, his shoulder was up. I was like, all I'm doing is saying to myself, no, it doesn't matter. He hit three. He hit three and he called for the bell. So it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, I, I it's nice. This, get... once
0: again, is going into that weird ref stuff, too, that yeah. they – keep flirting with as though they're going to do some sort of officiation in new orleans angle.
1: in new orleans they yeah. did that yeah that's that's the other thing i think they did is they uh oh they're playing up they're playing up the saints thing
0: oh god i, I, I they can't help themselves man. yeah they 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 there has to be a commentary about officiating done through their officials
1: i i am not the arbiter of mike Canellis history but i thought he looked very small in this one I, I was amazed at how thin he looked here but maybe it's just something i hadn't noticed before
0: yeah i i don't know that i've noticed it but i definitely did notice that he looks slight yeah i mean he, he I, he's never been particularly big though i, I mean yeah I don't know. I don't know. yeah at least not during this run here in wwe
1: yeah so you know we got a continuation of the umberto and the gallagher Gulak. Story, which is interesting, and then you know, I mean, but that's the only real story. I'm wondering
0: if he's actually going to end up heel. Uh, You had mentioned that in a previous episode, and at first I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But I think that the swerve here is that he does eventually stab the Lucha House Party in the back.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, I I would think you know it's one of those things where he goes with the bad guys and then eventually regrets it once he gets you know he gets that initial heel heat. And then they turn on him or whatever, and then he can become a baby, hotter babyface by doing so.
0: But the one thing I would have done here in that match, just real quickly to circle back to it, is it, I would have had him tap out to TJP and need the help of Gulak and Gallagher to learn some mat submission skills. And so he loses to TJP, a former champion, the first week, and then next week he comes back armed with a submission reversal taught to him by Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher that actually gets him out of that hold and gets him the win in the match.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I, I, there's plenty of ideas here. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see also if they use the tournament to kind of put Carrillo versus maybe Gulak in the finals to see, you know, what will you, you know you need to let me win so I can have the title match, and then he fights against it or something to that effect.
0: Don't sleep on Tony Nese, dude. I I keep looking at this and go, there are a bunch of tailor-made feuds here for Tony Nese or, like, a storyline where Nese puts away old ghosts. Like, Tony Nese can go and finish off his unfinished business with Drew Gulak. Remember the last time there was a tournament, Drew Gulak, like, pummeled the shit out of Tony Nese. This time, Tony could turn the corner on Drew Gulak. Like this could all build to a Buddy Murphy feud. I would all- that promo where niece was like nothing's holding me back anymore. I mean, it could be just you know a generic WWE promo, but if they were going to start a storyline, that's the type of promo you would use to start that storyline.
1: Let me posit another possibility here, given the recent changes on the top of the card on SmackDown. What if they put Mustafa Ali in this tournament?
0: That would be interesting. If they did that, that would change my kind of conception about this, and maybe I'd say Mustafa Ali wins the tournament.
1: And they crown him, and they give him the match at Mania again against, against – Cedric against Alexander. Murphy. Well, no, Buddy Mur- – they did the Cedric.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Mustafa yeah, yeah, Ali last yeah, yeah. Mania. This right. one, he
1: does it against Buddy Murphy, and he wins.
0: That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, Although Buddy I, Murphy is such a great wrestler, and they've yeah. got a lot of really talented guys on 205 Live who can work very high-quality matches uh, that people might not get super excited about, but they're very good matches regardless. And uh, I, I, it, you can kind of go any direction and have a good WrestleMania-worthy match. You yeah. can do it with Zawa, You could do it with a number of different people. Well,
1: it's just one of those things where I think the plans have changed to the point where... I mean, they could still do... I, I, think, I thought well, he's not going to be in a one-on-one match. Now, Mustafa Ali. I thought originally he might be the the opponent for Brian at at Mania, but that's not going to happen now. So, I mean, you give him the one-on-one match in the cruiserweight division, you know, you can still have a showcase for him as opposed to having to put him in, like, the Battle Royal or something.
0: Right, right.
1: So I'm going to go over real quick NXT UK. These were ep- this was another episode taped during the Phoenix Royal Rumble weekend, which made for a the crowd is just dead because it's an access crowd. You know, they're there to, you know, Hey, we're going to see some WWF live action or WWE live action. and It's NXT UK. You know, it was okay, but the the matches themselves, solid stuff. You should go out and, you know, if you have an hour on Saturday or something, you're just kind of sitting around. It's worth the watch. Uh, Mark Andrews and flash Morgan Webster took on the coffee brothers of Gallus. Uh, Andrews and flash Morgan Webster are perfect. Uh, baby faces in peril to big guys who kill them. They get the nice, you know, they get the nice baby face comeback occasionally. Uh, but eventually they, they they're overcome by size. It, it, you know, it, it is what almost every, it is almost what every Mark Andrews match in, in NXT has been. I'm not sure if he's ever won a match in NXT UK.
0: Gallus, no, I think he did in like one of the first couple of weeks here, but Gallus is a faction that very much needs wins, and the problem with NXT UK is it's kind of a teeny tiny universe, so it's hard to get these guys who are kind of having to operate as like upper mid-card heels, the sufficient amount of quality wins in order to keep that status. This is a good idea.
1: Trent Seven and Shane Thorne had a nice long match. It looks like they might be pivoting Shane Thorne onto NXT UK. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just because of his his involvement in the World's Collide Tournament, which I think is actually making some of these some of these tapings very interesting with some of the people they're using. Uh, next week's card looks fantastic. Uh, I'll go over that in a second, but this is a nice long match. Uh, Trent7 to me, I, and having watched him now for a couple of years in both Progress and Here, this guy can do everything, and he gets knocked too much for his body type, I think. And it really belies the fact that he is a great babyface in peril. Um, you, you haven't seen on WWE television his ability to work heel. But when British Strong Style worked heel in progress, he was fantastic in that. This guy, if, if, if WWE can get past the body stuff, should have a long and illustrious career with, with WWE brands. I, I've, I've really turned the corner on him a lot.
0: I like Trent Seven a lot. I, I think that Mustache Mountain is just a are a good act that has a a nice way of connecting with the crowd that doesn't feel overproduced. Trent Seven doesn't have to come out there and do the Aston, oh what's his name? The whoop whatever that guy is. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff.
1: Right. No, my my only thing about Mustache Mountain is it keeps Tyler Bate from having singles matches. And I love me a Tyler Bates singles match.
0: I like Tyler Bates single matches as well. However in certain places in this company you're a little bit safer from the wrath of the booking pencil if you're in a faction. And
1: then uh NXT champ women's champion Tony Storm, NXT UK women's champion Tony Storm, uh defended her title again against Rhea Ripley. Story here was Rhea Ripley just pummeling her before the bell or right as the bell was you know coming and then you know storm surviving and eventually coming back uh rhea ripley continues to improve uh i i i'm hoping she gets to cross over to a couple different brands here and there because it seems like that's going to be the big thing is there's going to be a lot of floaters going in and out um not a My, bad
0: thing, especially if they haven't expanded out NXT US to two hours. Uh, using yeah. NXT UK as a place to give people something to do and kind of work almost like a territory. You, know, yeah, you, have you that, got, yeah, yeah, you're going uh, to get that. The,
1: you're going to get the women's tag titles perhaps defended at NXT. It's going to be very interesting watching, watching all these uh, interchangeable parts. But uh, next week's going to be a show, Chris. It's going to be uh, the Grizzled Young Vets taking on uh, Lorkin and Birch. It's gonna be Tyler Bate taking on Jack Gallagher and Walter versus Cassius Ono. Get your DVR Cassius ready Ohno. for that.
0: I'm into it. I'm in, I mean, that Walter versus Cassius Ono match. Now that I've seen Cassius Ono get knocked out in like six seconds or whatever, I'm worried that he might just get like obliterated. But if he doesn't, and we actually get them beating the hell out of each other, yes. I don't. Me I up. don't
1: think. I don't think if it matters if he gets obliterated. Even though, you know, on the indies, this match would be huge. But Cassius Ono getting destroyed by Walter's chops—I'm here for that. I am so here for that.
0: You know, I'm on board with that. That's this is the right usage of Cassius Ono. I agree. Let's demolish him next week. Let's do it. And then. no, NXT. The, NXT, <laughs> no, I don't know. You said I could host because you were very mean to me when you introduced <laughs> me, and I'm holding you to it. Well, I was show. just trying to
1: transition. I'm sorry. It's not
0: just for, no, it's not just for premium anymore, kids. It's sometimes going to happen on the main show, too.
1: <laughs> I hope so. Good. Yeah,
0: good, good. I'm glad that you think it's good. It's good that you think it's good. It's nice to be nice when it's time to be nice. The All listeners
1: right. right now are thinking we're fighting, and we're not. We're just laughing at ourselves because I tend to be a... How'd you, a big talker is that what you said? <laughs> a,
0: a, you're a power talker. Is power what talker a power yes, talker? Am. It's that, not. It's not, it's not a bad. It's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, it, you, we both have the ability to do it. It's just I defer to you usually, and <laughs> now I'm not. So NXT UK, <laughs> let's get right into this. This began with a match between Aleister Black and Roderick Strong, and good match not a whole lot to say about this you see Roddy come out and he doesn't have the rest of the undisputed era you know that he's probably going to lose and this kind of keeps with the standard classic template of faction very powerful and tend to win when they're working together especially if they're outside and hanging around but in isolation each one of them can be picked off and true to form Alistair Black is able to pick off Roddy strong I had no thoughts about this other than it was a good match your thoughts Jeff
1: yeah, it was kind of um, what I'd see in Reseda-level Roddy match, I thought. Um, yeah, solid. I, I, you know what? It was weird because my thoughts were on the... Did, didn't the show open with the, uh, the Borash-Riddle interview, or am I misplacing that?
0: Yes, right. That was Jeremy Borash, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I, I I like looked at that guy and I was like, that looks like Jeremy Borash, but I haven't seen Jeremy Borash in a couple of few years. How okay. high wow. how high was Matt Riddle during this interview? I don't know. Like slightly more high than I am usually when I'm watching NXT US.
1: <laughs> well, that's why I came to you. You're the expert. On
0: it. We're not going, there. we're keeping it friendly for the family here, Jeff. So up next. Mia Yim defeated Zia Lee in a very, very rough outing for Zia Lee. So I was watching this with a critical eye because she made a little bit of a splash in Royal Rumble, but she was rough. She was rough, but it could have been jitters at the Royal Rumble, you know? But there was there were things. There were things that she was doing that were kind of interesting. Well, Mia Yim's a steady hand here. Mia Yim is someone who should be able to guide Xia Lee to an okay match and and that did not occur. Zia um, Lee was having a hard time finding the timing in this. There were a few good looking kicks in this, but Mia Yim ultimately closes out this match on Zia Lee, and Zia Lee's got a lot of work to do. Uh, I like the idea. There's some things I like here. The kicks look good. Um, some of the martial arts stuff looks really good, but uh, the overall fundamentals, her ground game's bad, her flying game's bad. A lot of stuff needs a lot of work.
1: Uh, I've watched Zia Lee in two Mae Young Classics now. I've watched it in the Royal Rumble, and I watched her here. She has improved don't get me wrong they are making her do the wrong kinds of matches, in my opinion. They're making her do these very elaborately choreographed types of spots and things that involve, you know interlocking with, with people and you know, climbing on shoulders.
0: She needs to be training strikes.
1: She needs to be a fighter. She yep. needs to she needs to be an old school 1980s walk and brawl kick punch type of wrestler as opposed to doing the indie style highly choreographed snap use the martial mare. arts for that type of stuff. Yeah. Snapmare,
0: stiff kick, snap suplex, person rolls up is favoring their back, runs behind them kicks the shit out of them like like the, 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 the descriptions of what she should be doing should be really really easy because every one of those moves needs to look like it's murder by death she needs to be like Tajiri and what they're trying to do is they're trying to make her a lot of different things simultaneously like they want to demonstrate a clinic of skills here oh you see she can do the mat wrestling and she can do the counters and the catches catch can stuff and it's like one eh, she, can she and, and then two pick a lane and with Zia Lee, you've got this lane with her kicking and I I think if if you're going to do anything with her there her workout
1: videos which
0: show her striking and stuff are very very impressive but I want to I want to actually
1: comment on something you said because I think it brings up a certain point there's this there's this thought with martial arts wrestlers that they need to be able to do the kind of uh, for lack of a better term martial arts movies style martial arts versus actual martial arts Um, I I think she needs to be like Asuka was in NXT before all she did was hip check people I I think they're trying to make her and you'll get this reference hard because you studied this a lot I think they want her to be kind of Muda in a way in terms of the gracefulness of the acrobatics and stuff in addition to the kicks as opposed to just being the kicks.
0: Yes, a little more. She They want more of the cartwheeling and yes. the, the flowy stuff. And I'm saying no. I, I want commentary to be putting over how she throws her hips into every one of these kicks. And I want the jobber she's facing to look like they're dying.
1: She needs to be more Shayna Baszler
0: yeah. than anything. Yeah. I want Shayna Baszler to stand at the top of the ramp and actually watch a match as is demolishing someone with the kicks and be mildly impressed by that. Eventually. Yes. Down yes. the line.
1: Yeah, no, uh, yeah, that, that's what she needs to be. She needs to be an actual martial arts practitioner who can kick the crap out of you as opposed to being a ninja. That that's that's what she needs to be. But yeah, this post match was interesting.
0: Yeah, because I think we're slowly building up Mia Yim. If I'm not reading this incorrectly, I I think there are plans for Mia Yim going forward here. We, we of course, have been talking about Bianca Belair and Io Shirai, and and that's important, but they've got a little thing going on too. But Mia Yim is now, at least as far as I can tell, getting cycled into the title picture.
1: I don't think she's getting cycled into the title picture. I think that this is her... Her position here is the mid-card with a lot of fandom that you kill for sympathy before you get to the main event person. That's what I'm saying.
0: Maybe, but man, when you shove the title belt in somebody's face, that is usually a precursor.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like her ideas as locker room leader. I am not as high on the HBIC character as some are.
0: I, I like being able to root it's for me. A, yeah. a little flat, yeah. The HPIC thing is is okay, but like I, I needed to be fleshed out more, and they they she's, haven't really gone, gone there she yet. She could be
1: very popular in NXT. That that's the thing is is the edge. The edge part is what turns me off a bit from being able to cheer for from I think some fans being able to cheer for her because she's coming out like a heel, but she's actually a baby face. So it, it's it's kind of weird in that way. Also, just for my own uh, predilections and because I love good car crashes, I need a Jessamine Duke versus Jesse Elaban match. I need that because that looked that looked both awkward and awesome at the same time. Those two fighting it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jessamine Duke could have a lot of awkward fests with a number of people. It seems like. And Jesse
1: Elaban's whole thing is, if you see her on the makeup classic, it's uh, I just like to throw my body at people and see what happens. So, I'm just like, oh, sure, give me these two together.
0: Yeah. uh, If they can even air the match and someone doesn't break a limb. So, (laughs) now we get to the main event here where the Velveteen Dream defeats Johnny Gargano in the result of that weird double finish taped match from a couple of weeks ago. So, Jeff, let me toss it to you on this one. What did you think of this match?
1: Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Um... I, I think the specter of, of Champa being around took something away from me, because I, I kind of always view these title matches from NXT as kind of a little bit more pure than most in, in some ways. Um, and,
0: and it was, but having him standing there watching the TV made you think at some point he was going to appear... And then the swerve is that he never did. Yeah, yeah. and Johnny lost on his own merits, which makes some sort of narrative sense, right? Like in that pre-match interview where Johnny's with Candice and Tommaso Ciampa, and he's like, I don't need you, Tommaso. I'm going to do this on my own, just like the same way I want it. Uh, you know, it, it makes sense where we're going, and you can get there from here. But I, I was expecting Tommaso Ciampa to go down there and actually save Johnny's title. This works well. Well, let as me well. ask
1: you this: What did you think of Velveteen Dream in this match?
0: I think that Velveteen Dream oversells. Yes, and I think so. Here's my thing with Velveteen Dream: I was commenting to my friends about this. I think that he has very good sense of pacing. Very good move selection, and his execution is lacking on a lot of things, and his selling's a little wacky and zany on a lot of things. And everything I, is I for the back of the room. Up. Yeah, everything
1: is for the back of the room that he does. From the way he throws his punches, the way he sells, it's it's almost. You know, we've mocked, not really mocked, but we've commented, and people love the fact that he cosplays '80s wrestlers, but he's almost. Aping everything about that style, you know, to the point where it's almost. Comical. But
0: but he's aping it, right? Like those yeah. guys were working a style. A lot of times, what made it so delightful is without irony. Whereas with Velveteen Dream, it's like he's in on the joke.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, he's a little self-aware that he's doing it at the same time. It, it's very, it's a little off-putting in in terms of in terms of in big match situations. Now, once the match gets going, he's fine. But there's those moments where it's like, here's the set piece where I'm going to do this. And you're just like, wow, that's a little bit too big for the room.
0: So I think it's a good choice for Champion. It's obviously a safe choice for an NXT TakeOver. People love the Velveteen Dream. They're going to be on board with his matches. But I would like to see him work a more reigned in style here that's a little more realistic going forward. This this was just a little too big.
1: Yeah, but also gets a, it also frees up Johnny now to uh spoiler tag up with Champa for uh, a certain thing that they may have announced on the TV. Uh the dusty classic. So I, I was fine with the outcome of it. I think it's nice to give a young kid a major title run to see what he has and if he has that championship heft as we like to say. So so I'll be interested to see what how dream how how his promos change, how he evolves a little bit as as a champion as opposed to just being the big gimmick that people like. Now he actually has to deliver stuff to keep people liking him. In and a
0: way. now we get hungry and desperate Johnny which is an interesting advancement of the storyline between Johnny and Tommaso Ciampa.
1: Well, let's call it a day there. This is Shake Them Ropes. I'm Jeff Hawkins at Crap Game Thirteen. You can uh, follow me there. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can join our PayPal or our PayPal, our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Shake Them Ropes. Chris, I have an idea for our next show. May only take an hour, but I'll talk to you after we hang up. Chris, go ahead and plug your other projects out there.
0: Okay, go to don'tworry.tv and you can find Don't Worry About the Government on iTunes and Stitcher. So subscribe today, subscribe, and be a listener. Don't worry about the government. The All in the Family podcast will have a new episode out sometime next week, so be on the lookout for that. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you all very much. And until the next one, bye bye.
1: Enjoy your weekend.